Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast. We're the podcast that amplifies stories and experiences of remarkable individuals who are making a difference in their communities and beyond. Rizwana Afzali is not just a name. She's a force to be reckoned with. If you tried to degrade me, if you try to do anything, I don't care if we have 10 kids, I am out because I saw that growing up and I'm not doing that with you or anyone else. A passionate advocate. It's better to be single than being next to someone who makes you feel the worst about yourself. An inspiring leader. A lot of people will read, they'll learn, but they won't take action. So the most important thing is to take action. The work-life balance, you have to balance that out. And a beacon of empowerment for countless individuals. Today, we'll delve into Rizwana's journey, exploring the challenges she's overcome. Responsibilities were given to me really fast. I was washing dishes at eight years old. The victory she's achieved and the impact she continues to make in her community. You know, whoever the abuser was, I know that you were devalued, but you're not. You have value, you have worth. Welcome to the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast, where we explore the outcome of hard work and the power of positivity in our guest lives and in our community. I have a very influential, very inspirational woman with me today, Rizwana Afzali. She is an immigrant to the United States. She came to our country in the 80s with her family. She did not speak English. She was educated here, learned our language and has not stopped learning and growing uh, with her husband. They've been heavily involved in marketing in their past. They had a print shop that evolved into real estate, which we both have something in common there. And her most impactful and newest venture is being a co-founder of a beautiful organization that she is going to share with us. So Rizwana, please let our guests know a little bit more about you. And I just can't wait to hear what we have to talk about and our community gets to learn from today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Nicole stated, we came here in the 80s, in the late 80s. I was five turning six that year, and I went straight to kindergarten. And I didn't speak a word of English. I knew my ABCs and one, two, threes, and I passed. Um, you know, I guess I knew how to blend in, right? <laughs> Otherwise, they were like, you need to stay back. You don't know how to speak English. But I knew that. I always tell people today, if I were to go to kindergarten today, at that time, not speaking English, I probably would have been held back like two, three times because now they have homework and all these extra things, right? Because they know that our brains are like sponges. Hence, learn the language. A lot of people are like, are you American? I'm like, by naturalization, yes, <laughs> but not naturally. Um, so I learned the language. Uh, English How many is languages do you speak? The I two? speak three. I speak I three. Thought. So English is my third. Um, we speak uh, Farsi, Dari, which is from Afghanistan. That's where my family is originally from. And then we also speak Urdu, Hindi, which is like India and Pakistan, because my family migrated to Pakistan before we came here. Um, so we learned that language over there. So, you know, coming here, only knew those two languages. No one really spoke that language. I don't But really you had remember. the experience of being fully immersed in a culture, right? Right, right. And that's and, really important in anything we want to do in our goals in life. You have to immerse yourself in it, just like learning a language and a culture. Absolutely. And I remember like coming to this country, just coming off that plane. I'm like, OK, there's a lot of opportunity here. Like what five year old thinks that? <laughs> um, but being a refugee coming into this country, you're like, OK, I'm going to take those opportunities. So going to school, 
learning the language. Um, and then we would come home. So we would speak our um, native language so we don't forget. And then my parents would speak English and then we would kind of like correct each other. And then my mom saw an infomercial for Hooked on Phonics and she got that for us. You know, it was like those, you know, cassettes. Very popular, very popular in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So she got those tapes and that kind of helped us a little bit. So, you know, we always try to help each other out. Um, we watch a lot of Sesame Street. Uh, we watch a lot of TV to learn how to do conversations and things like that. Um, so that's how we sort of learned English and, of course, interacting with the kids in school and things like that. But, um, you know, the funny thing was I didn't understand the teachers. So I don't know how I passed first and second grade because I didn't really know the language. And I remember I think it was like second grade. We were learning um, how to add and subtract. And uh, I was just guessing. I was totally guessing because I was like, I don't know how to add and subtract. But I figured it out. You know, I figured it out eventually. And then I think it was in second grade, at the end of second grade, I did you like, I'm so proud of you. You got honor roll. I'm like, what's honor roll? <laughs> you know? And then so she explained what honor roll was. I was like, oh, I was like, okay. I was like, if I understand it, I know I'm smart. I can, if I understand it. But the thing was, back in the day when I was in second grade, I saw my mom and dad working like, you know, two jobs each and they would like uh, switch the shifts, right? One would work first shift, the other one would work second shift, and then the other one would work third shift. Um, it was like crazy. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I need to do something. So then I started drawing in class and all the kids are like, can you draw for me? Can you draw for me? I'm like, bring me a dollar. I'll draw what you want. And I'll have it ready. You for were you an tomorrow. entrepreneur in second grade. Right. And then I didn't tell any of my cousins and stuff because I was like, maybe they'll make fun of me. Then they'll tell me like, you know, oh, you're not a good drawler or something. I don't know. I didn't tell my cousins or anything. Um, but I just drew and I was collecting those dollars. I think minimum wage was like $5 at that point and I'm making a dollar, you know, from a couple of students and things like that. So I was like, okay. And then like, I just gave it to my parents. I was like, here, this is what I made today. <laughs> you know? Were you in your childhood? Were you living in Pennsylvania? Have you? <laughs> yeah. So okay. we, when we came, uh, when we came here, we were in New York for a little bit, we're maybe like five or six months. Uh, and then my mom and dad were in Pennsylvania. They were getting everything settled in. We were actually with family in New York. And then we've been here in Pennsylvania ever since then. I've not moved from PA since then. And you're making a big impact in Pennsylvania right now. That's what helping, we're trying to do. Yeah. Helping a lot of women. And I can't wait for our audience to hear what you've done during such a difficult time um, in our country. You launched a beautiful nonprofit organization as the co-founder, um, and it's been growing ever since. And not just growing in terms of what you've done and your impact you've had with women, but growing in the need for more. So you have a big goal in front of you. And so let's talk. Let's talk to our audience a little bit about um, what inspired you during the pandemic to found a nonprofit organization helping domestic women who are victims of domestic violence. Like that is a huge, um, humble action to take in such a time when we were very confined and constricted from what we could do. Right. And so how this all really started was actually probably, I would say 10 years ago. Um, I was on Facebook and stuff, of course, you know, marketing real estate as we do. And, you know, I was putting it all out there. Then someone messaged me and said, hey, I see you're a realtor. Can you help me find a house? Okay, sure. Helped her find a house. Um, we became really, really good friends. She told me about her history of domestic violence and how she got through it. 
And one of her goals was, you know, to do something for that. And then I was talking to my mom about it, you know, before the pandemic happened. And I said, you know, there is a couple of women in our family that endured domestic violence, you know, maybe let's put something together. So my mom, myself, and um, the CEO of My Sister's Haven got together and formed the 501c3. At the time, the pandemic didn't hit. We actually got our 501c3 February of 2020. Um, And then so literally the next month was pandemic. We had all these events scheduled, all these fundraisers and things like that. And we had to cancel everything because as you know, everything was shut down basically for everyone. So then we were just doing like social media. We were doing things here and there. And so it was like kind of slow for us, you know, in like the first three years, right? So right now- Which your so, your marketing background from drawing in second grade to becoming a marketing guru and being able to apply right. that to your real estate career is now helping you grow My Sister's Haven through the pandemic digitally. Right. right. And I believe we have almost 5,000 um, followers on IG. So what we're doing right now, you know, we're getting into the fourth year of My Sister's Haven. So this is the year where we're trying to get that shelter because there was 12,000 women who called the Philadelphia Helpline. And we only have about 200 beds. So that's huge, you know, difference, right? So 12,000, only 200 beds. And so, you know, some of these shelters, they don't- Let's talk about this statistic because our audience, a lot of our audience is listening. You have 5,000 followers on your social media channel and somehow that is getting enough reach and with your marketing to be able to have and inspire 12,000 women in need to contact you. That's phenomenal. You know, like how impactful your marketing is and how impactful it is what community does when people share information. So, I mean, there's definitely a need, but what you guys, your impact already and reach has been so phenomenal. Yeah. And we've had people reach out to us and we do have other resources because we don't have the shelter up and running yet. Um, You know, where we, you know, say, you know, are you willing to go out of state? Are you willing to go here? Are you willing to go there? Right. Because we want to make sure that they do get out of that situation. Those that reach out to us. Uh, And we do have the hotline number on our website as well for Philadelphia. So, you know, we want to make sure that just because we can't do something directly right now doesn't mean we can't help them. Right. Because we want to make sure that, you know, they're taken care of because it's a hard situation. A lot of people think that when it comes to domestic violence, it's physical. It's not just physical. It's mental. It's financial. It's sexual. There's so many parts to it. Right. So financial is, you know, the abuser will say something like, hey, I'll take over all the finances because I work and you are home and, you know, you don't know anything about financing, right? It's the degrading of the woman. The control, like the control. Right. And so with that being said, they don't have access to the finances. They can't get out, right? So it's like a trap for them. I mean, I'm just going to talk about experiences that I've heard. I I have a friend who was a past client through real estate transactions um, who was a victim of domestic violence and who did leave, you know, um, suddenly and secretly and is safe and has started a whole new life. And so I've seen and heard that experience. Um, but I have, you know, we have women who talk about their particular situations and they start saving money at certain times. Then they stay in the situation for longer than they need to. And then something even more drastic happens. Um, but I do know that the, the financing and that security of being able to get somewhere and be in a, you know, be protected, um, does sometimes take money and they, they do start plotting that ahead of time, but unfortunately they have to stay too long to have that happen. So they have to leave in the middle of the night at times and, 
And it's been really enlightening to me to hear somebody that was, you know, upper middle class that had to flee their home with their children in secrecy. Um, And this happens a lot. Yeah. And, And, And the thing is, if they don't have a place to stay, that leads to homelessness. You know what I mean? The mom will be in the car, you know, living with their kids. And if someone sees that, they report her, then the kids are taken away. So it's such that's why a lot of them don't leave because the risk for them is so high if they don't have a place to go. And I mean, we have such a, a need, you know, for a solution for homelessness. And I when I even think about homelessness, I don't even think about people fleeing their homes for safety and you know what I mean, not having a shelter at the time and that statistic impacting homelessness. Like so I'm bringing awareness right now just in having a conversation with you um, that, you know, I don't think about when I think about homelessness and finding a solution for that. Yeah. And a lot of them rather be homeless than be in that situation, you know. Absolutely. So that's kind of scary because, you know, we're, you know, as you know, women are very in those type of situation, very vulnerable, right? Because they could be attacked or they, anything can happen with them. So this is why we are, you know, trying to do what we can to build that shelter and, you know, get the donations and the fundraising going and guide, and like them. Said, we guide them and support them because I'm sitting here yeah. talking with you. You're a mother. How many children do you have? I have three under 12. So I have two children, 12 and under. And when you are in a hard time emotionally as a parent, not even a victim of domestic violence, right. you are emotion thinking from your emotions. Right. You're not thinking rationally a lot of the times you're very reactionary and so living in that state is toxic for having clear thoughts clear train of thought and making good decisions too right and that's the Um, that's the whole thing having that support right and that's the whole thing the abuser might tell the victim you know you can't break this family apart if you break this family apart our kids are going to be in gangs or our kids are going to be this or that right so it's like mentally like I got to stay for the kids because the kids need a father figure, not that type of father figure. Right. So and they like that's what they don't think of, because the trauma also is experienced with children. And I was reading somewhere that um, when the person who experiences it, meaning who sees it, is more traumatized than the victim because they can't do anything. And then they feel guilty as they grow They're older. Silent. Why couldn't I? Why couldn't I do anything? How come I didn't do anything to stop it? You know? You're only yeah. five. You're only seven. What could you have done? You know, yeah, and things like that. So I think like that's why, you know, with our plan, we don't just have counseling for the victims, but we also have it for the children because it's, it's a traumatic experience. I mean, I saw abuse growing up. Right. So it wasn't my dad and my mom, but it was other people in my family that did the abuse. So we had child abuse. We had the men abusing the wives and stuff like that, you know, so. And we didn't know about it because everything looked normal, right? And we didn't know about any of this stuff, you know? Luckily, the one escaped and she came back to the United States. And, you know, the other one was there until he died. So that was like crazy to me that I was talking to my mom about that. Like, how did you guys let that happen? Persevered through You know, that. how and did you guys? Yeah. And she's like, we didn't know, you know? And I'm like, we as kids, we knew, we knew. But then for some reason in the circle of kids, we're always like, don't tell anyone. I don't know why kids do that. Don't a tell family anyone. secret, you know, yeah, family like secret, you know, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like, don't don't put our family name into the ground. Well, you're yes. putting it in the ground by doing what you're doing, you know, but, and then you but, want us to cover for you. We're not going to cover for you anymore. So when these women I want to talk about kind of the process, because I know you're at max capacity. 
But as you, the beds started getting filled and you were taking these women in and their children, you're providing food, shelter, um, food, nutrition, therapy, support. Um, what other resources is my sister's haven helping them with? So we're right able now, to provide or partnering. Yeah. You're partnering with other organizations too, I know. Right. So right now we're at advocacy at this point because we don't have a physical shelter just yet. Um, but when we do get that shelter, yes, we'll be providing all of those things, the counseling, the daycare, the um, job training, and you know all of these things for them to be independent because we don't want them to go back to their abuser. Now with us, when we do get that shelter, they are going to stay with us for a year. I think some uh, shelters give 30 days, 60 days, maybe 90 days. Um, but I don't think I've heard of any shelter, not in our area anyway, that gives one year because we want them to be independent, right? Rebuild and a we, solid foundation. Right. And have the solid foundation. We want to kind of like rewire them. Like, you know, you're an amazing woman. You know, I know he devalued you or, you know, whoever the abuser was. I know that you were devalued, but you're not. You have value. You have worth, you know. So we have to kind of train them into being who they were, show them who they were before all of this, you know, because it doesn't happen overnight, right? It, it's like a process. They groom them to make them feel worthless. So, you know, that's the whole thing. So what we're doing right now is, you know, when we get the calls, we call the different shelters that we have connections with and we see if they have a bed. Sometimes it might not be in Pennsylvania because, like I said, in Philadelphia, we only have 200 beds within the different organizations. Um, so sometimes I think there is one in like Pittsburgh that is a six hour drive from here. Um, there's like other locations that we'll link up with because really the ultimate goal for all of the nonprofits who have, uh, you know, under the Help domestic yours. violence umbrella, we just all want to help each other. It has nothing to do with, you know, I'm going to get the credit as my sister's haven for doing all this stuff. There's 12,000 women, right? That's a lot of women to serve. I mean, if we get a shelter, if our shelter, say, can only fit, say, 10 families at a time because we're just starting out, you know, that's still, again, 12,000 women. So, you know, we want to see what we can do. Like, are they willing to go out of state? If we get them, um, you know, like transportation, are they willing to go? So that's really what we're doing right now. We're advocacy right now. And we're connected with other shelters that are taking them in if they have room. But that's why we're doing all these fundraisers and all these events this year. To have, I know you have, you have. This is the year that you're kicking off your events again, and you yeah. have numerous events planned and one big push in October for fundraising. Right. Um. And these funds are going to go towards the the, um, the shelter mm -hmm. and the goal of the shelter. But you have a goal that's even bigger than that. Yeah. With land and development and training, and I really want you to get into that because sure. we've both been in real estate for. I mean, I've been in real estate for a couple of decades. You've been in real estate for quite some time and we help people find homes all the time. But building a community in this fashion is so unique. And I think that um, us helping people find homes and guiding them towards their homes is so powerful. So yeah. hel helping them build their homes is going to be even more powerful. So Rosanna, can you like just delve into that a little yeah. bit? Because that was when my eyes lit up. And yeah. I was like, we can do this in different locations in different throughout the nation. Right. If you build the model right. in Pennsylvania and in Philadelphia with land and these women helping build their own homes and those communities are coming up from the ground up, that can be duplicated in so many different states. Right. 
And so the way that we're doing it is we actually partnered up with a construction company who we're really blessed because they're not charging us labor. They're only charging us materials. So that's a huge thing right there. So what we're going to do is either take homes and rehab them and then, you know, probably put a $10,000 price on top of just what we spent to the women and they have, you know, X amount of years to pay us off, right? And it will be a co-ownership between my sister's haven and them. And this is, if they decide, hey, I'm good, I'm going to move out of the community, um, you know, I'm going to find something else, they just give it back and we give it to the next person. But it would be amazing for us to buy, I don't know, 20 acres of land, you know, gate it all up, build all these homes, right? Again, 12,000 women. And then like cycle them through. And if they want to live in that community, they can. And then just repeat the cycle of housing. We don't want and them to be on pass Section 8. It on. It's almost like paying it forward. Right. And you we don't want mean? them They're... to be on Section 8, right? So we want to give them that independence and we want to give them that freedom that, hey, like this is my house and I'm going to own it in this X amount of years. You know what I mean? And so we did it that way. And then that 10000 that we're going to put on top of that is going to go right back to my sister's haven through the years. So it's not like we're making a penny. None of us get paid. <laughs> the CEO well, then paid. it goes towards securing yeah. more land, more locations, more shelters, and right. hopefully helping other shelters and women in need too. Yeah, right. I totally get it. You guys are not in this for profit at all. Yeah, not at all. And the need is so big that you can continue to grow with any penny that comes in. So, right. And that's we'll really make- what it is. We have to cycle it back into um, the nonprofit, you know, because there's also security and, the, you know, the counselors and there's like so much more to it. And having the CEO who was in a domestic violence relationship for a really, really long time, um, you know, and I think there's two other women in the board that also went through domestic violence as well. Um, just hearing their thoughts like, I wish I had this when I was trying to get help. I wish I had this. So all these ideas that we have for My Sister's Haven are from the survivors that are on the board of My Sister's Haven. Like I said, luckily, I wasn't uh, like directly affected with domestic violence, but I saw it in my family. You were aware of it, it you know, and, and the thing is, you don't see the signs because it's they seem perfectly normal, you know, unless you see a bruise or whatever. But, you know, if they're wearing like long sleeves all the time or whatever, or if they put makeup on to cover those bruises, you'll you won't know until they say anything. Right. Because one of the things abuser does with them is they groom them to act like everything's fine. Everything is normal. Yeah. To protect themselves. Right. So people can go to My Sister's Haven. Correct? Yeah. MySistersHaven.org. And if you like, you can donate monthly. You can donate one time. It's a you know tax write-off for 501c3. Um, and that's our website right over here. Um, and you can look through. You can join our social medias. Um, we're on social media as either My Sister's Haven or My Sister's Haven Corp. Um, I believe we're on TikTok. We're definitely on Instagram. Um, we're working on the YouTube channel because so many survivors want to share their story and we want to put their story out there to, you know, give encouragement to others, right? That you can leave if you, even if you don't have a penny to your name, you know, we can try and get you the help, right? Because right now, again, we're advocacy right now to other places. Um, but I know, like I said, this year is going to be full of events and fundraising and we're going to really kick it up to gear and, like, you know, almost having 5,000 followers on Instagram, that was just, you know, posting just awareness, you know, and then with My Sister's Haven. So we're going to get back on all the social medias and really push forward and post 
especially with the interviews that we have coming up. So you don't want to miss those. We really look forward to sharing that as well with our community because they're, you know, I'm in a big city here in Austin, Texas, and I'm sure there's a need here. And if that triggers any communication between you and new nonprofits that are helping victims of domestic violence here, I would I would love to be able to make that connection for you and for your um, organization. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's just working together. You know, it's like helping each other with resources and ideas. And like you could take the same model. Okay, wow, they're doing a one year stay and they're doing housing and they're doing co-ownership and then they have this much of time to pay it back. You know, so it's like a lot of it's a huge project. You know, I don't know any uh, domestic violence nonprofit that has housing, you know, offered at the end. So, you know, that's really what it is. But we want to make sure that the women are secure. They have a job. Um, you know, we're already going to line up daycare for them and things like that. So we just want to make sure that they're all good to go, you know, because sometimes when you have especially that mental abuse, like I said, it doesn't have to be physical. But when someone tells you every single day that, you know, you're nothing, you're not worth anything, you're nothing without me, you know, you start to believe that. And then if you say that to yourself, then your brain doesn't know the difference between joking or, you know, whatever the case, then your brain starts believing that too, because you keep feeding it that. Self-talk is really powerful. And that leads me to talk about, I mean, work hard, small, large is my mantra. That is my life mantra. I could sit and self-talk about how hard it is on certain days when we have so much work or there's so much to be done. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm trying to find the balance between my work and my life. And it comes in phases and cycles, depending on, we're entrepreneurs. So our schedule isn't set in stone every day. But what Taking from that something that I relate to, what is your life mantra? What is what is a motto that you live by, Rizwana, and that you use in your life, your business, your family? Yeah. So for me, definitely my faith comes first. I don't know if you could tell I wear it on my head, right? My faith on my head. But one of our pillars is charity, you know? And so one of the things that we talk about in our faith is when we die, what do we die with? So if we do something like my sister's haven, we call that continuous deeds. So say For example, my sister Haven, you know, helped all 12,000 women, for example, and say the 12,000 paid for it and then they pay for it. So that's continuous deeds that I'm adding to my plate even after I die, you know, because it'll be generation upon generation upon generation. So if we can break that circle or that, you know, cycle of abuse, then I did something good. Right. So my mantra, my motto is to get as many good deeds as I possibly can before I leave this earth. So then I can continue those good deeds, right? Because even after generations, after generations, after generations, maybe they might not remember my name or your name, but those deeds will be there. And I know people will pay it forward and continue to pay it forward. And if people take our model and do it and say in all 50 states, that's a lot of deeds going out there. So that's really my thing, right? Do as many continuous deeds as possible. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I have to ask, because it's really important for me to share with our community, you've been in real estate for 11 years. You have three children out of the age of 12. You're so passionate about growing My Sister's Haven organization, uh, which I know you're going to do. Um, You've been at EXP for six years. You were just nominated as as a member of the National Advisory Board for our brokerage. Let's talk about time and balance and how you do all this because we've been really good about talking slow. You and I are really fast talkers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we are. So for those of you that are listening, we have slowed our roll down a little bit a little today. Bit. 
But let's talk fast because yeah. you do a lot in a day. You do a lot in a week. You do a lot in a year. Like, Rizwana, how do you do this? Like, how does it look? Yeah. You know, what's yeah. a daily routine that you keep? What is something that you help balance yourself out with and keep rolling forward, yeah. right? With passion. So one of the most, most, most important things I tell everyone, whether you're a, a man or a woman, the most important thing is to have the right partner by your side. That's the most important, important thing. In my culture, we get married very, very young, as young as 13 years old. Basically, as soon as we get our menses, it's like, oh, she's ready for marriage. No, she's not. She's only 13. So, you know, going on that basis real quick, my grandma got married when she was 13. My mom got married when she was 14. I broke the cycle. I got married, um, you know, in my late 20s. Um, because I know one thing my mom told. Same. Yeah. And the one thing my mom told all these people who are calling my house, um, my daughter's really special. She's very talented. She's going to change the world. So she already kind of planted that in my head. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, man, mom said I gotta, like, I'm changing the world. I have to do something. I'll live up to those expectations. <laughs> right. But the thing is, you don't have to change the world by yourself. So it was really important for me to find someone who was going to align with my goals. And then that was also his goals, right? And yep. so when I was talking to my husband, um, his name is Arshad, um, you know, I told him every day, I was like, if you ever lay a hand on me, if you try to like degrade me, if you try to do anything, I don't care if we have 10 kids, I am out because I saw that growing up and I'm not doing that with you or anyone else. I'm like, I am independent. I'm like, I was selling drawings at, you know, second grade. I know, I know how to make money. <laughs> You're like, I don't want a partner in life, right? Right. right. I just want I just I, someone to move with me and not against me. That's what I need, right? And that's what we all need. So be very, 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 very picky when you're picking that life partner because they will either make you or break you. So a lot of people great. are like, how do you do all this stuff? How do you do everything? And I don't. I have my husband, right? We homeschool our kids. They just got accepted to a robotics program, right? Um, so we're doing that too. Um, so it's it's like a 50-50 split. And especially in yep. my culture, we're from South Asia. Um, there's eight countries in South Asia, right? India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka, right? And then I'm missing four more. I can't think of them top of my head. Okay. But, um, I'm not quizzing you. <laughs> yeah. But um, maybe we'll put a pop-up of those eight countries. But um, in our culture, it's like the man works, the women, the women stay home and they take care of the kids. You know what? This exact conversation came up this morning after my children were off to school. My husband and I were sitting in the kitchen talking because he's had a lot of meetings and a lot going on with his organization. He founded a beautiful insurance tech company. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how his other executives' wives don't work. Right. Right. And yet their conversation is men at dinner going over things yesterday to recap their day was talking about, oh, how hard it is. One has a newborn and a two-year-old. One has a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And Matt's like, you guys need to stop. Yeah. Because I have two kids that, yes, they can dress themselves. Yes, they can make themselves food and stuff. Right. But their voices are louder. Their hearts are beating faster. They need more. Like, there's way more pushback. And he's like, and on top of it, my wife's building two brands. Right. So you guys have nothing to complain about right now. Right. You can put that baby in the crib and the right. baby can stay in the crib. And it was this fun comparison of like, 
He's like, we're not stopping just because it's difficult for us. Yeah. Like Nicole's doing that. You're going to get through the baby phase and you're going to have a new phase. Yeah. And guess what? It's, you know what I mean? You're going to have new responsibilities, new roles, yeah. new challenges. It's always something. It's always something. It's, it's always, always a new phase. Something. It's always anything. But this is what I know with kids. And this is why it's very important to pick that right partner. Do not be so quick. You know, it's better to be single than, you know, being next to someone who makes you feel the worst about yourself, right? Yeah, so be very absolutely. picky about who you choose. My husband's my best friend. Same. Because when I need reprieve and I need a laugh and I need to have fun, yeah. I want to be sitting next to him doing that. Right, right. I'm not trying to escape that because we have the most fun together. Right. We're each other's cheerleaders. We're each other's support. Absolutely. You know, and and we can share those wins and those losses and those giggles and all that kind of stuff together. And, right. and it is unique today. Right. And I that's think. the thing. I don't you think share... a lot of people have that. Right. And you have to work on it. You that is another, it. that is work, work too. Yeah. You have to put effort in. It's not perfect. So, no. It's not perfect. No. And, and so, you know, when people, like I said, ask me all the time, how do you do all this stuff? Right. And again, I don't because he does a lot of stuff. Right. So going back to the South Asian culture, um, you know, we, we broke that, right. Him and I, and he's, you know, when our babies were babies, you know, he's changing, he's helping me change diapers and he does the laundry, you know, he does all these things. And then it's like, you change the diapers. Yeah. Why wouldn't I, you know, oh, you do the laundry. Yeah. Why wouldn't I, but you work a full-time job. Okay. And like, you know, she's, she stays home, right? Like at the time, like, you know, she stays home, right? So she should be doing all that. And then he's like, don't tell me how to run our household, not mine, but our household. Right. So when he was like, when he told me, he's like, I'll do the laundry. I was like, yeah, take it. Take it. That's, that's don't even, that that's not negotiable at this point. You, <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. My husband's like, okay, you go do that. Like when I have to work on the weekends yeah. or come to the office or do anything. And he's like, I got this. Right. We're going to do the laundry. Cows will be clean. I'll vacuum. Right. I'll, you know, he knows what I do on the daily. And it, he shows me his respect and his right. appreciation for that by returning the favor for me on the times that I'm not at home. Right. And and that's a partnership. And that's a partnership. So, you know, when people are like, how do you do it on your own? I don't, you know, I have the best partner who is the best for me, right? And you have, Nicole, the best partner who's best for and you. And we don't sit still. Yeah. It is very rare that our tanks run empty and we sit still. Right. It's like, and exactly. it's almost uncomfortable. Yeah. So there is this fire inside of us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's why we do all these things doing. because we're like, okay, we know we can, but we know we have a partner, you know, that we can lean to if we need to like kind of slow down, right? And things yep. like that. But we can handle these things because we're used to this like fast pace, right? Like the marketing yep. is fast pace, right? And then that's how I got into the real estate was I was printing postcards, business cards, doing video and photos for listings. And I told my husband, I said, I can do this. I was like, I'm doing everything anyway. So what do you think? He's like, yeah, he's like, go for it. So there's never like a time where he was like, don't, you know, he's like, try it out, you know, and see what happened. But, you know, if you have the wrong partner, that partner will say, no, you're not good enough for that. You're not going to succeed in that. So, you know, like I said, it's really important because you're like raising kids. I read somewhere it's like a two and a half time job. You know, it's two full jobs and a half. So if you're let it, if you're having this, the one person do all that, they're going to burn out. They're already burned out, you know. So that's how we juggle like all the schedules. Like right now, hubby's with the kids. He's homeschooling right now, you know, while I'm doing the podcast. And, you know, so we kind of switch things if he has to go show a house then i'll do the homeschooling so one of us is always home 
with the kids. You know, I didn't have this growing up. My parents always working all the time. I remember and we do that, too, because like my mom took all of us to school all the time and yeah. my mom did everything and she was she is phenomenal. My parents are still married and right. And she's done all of that. But Matt making time to take my kids to school on the days they miss the bus right. or they just want to wake up a little bit later and yeah. him having that one on one time with them right. has been so priceless for him to start his day with. Right. Right. Because right. there are cherished moments in that chaotic, hectic, get out of the house and go or start your day or get them on the bus. Yeah. Um, but he takes time to find the calm in that and build right. his relationship during those times too. Right. So, and that's and the what, whole it's like thing. Twenty minutes, right? You know, and that's the whole thing. Like my my husband takes the kids, you know, to like a trampoline park. It's an indoor thing. He takes yep. about like three four days a week, and that's his time with. Them. And I am literally, you know, home. And because he was like, when was the last time you read a book? You know, don't you love reading books? And I was like, I do. He's like, you don't, you don't. I I never see you read books anymore. He's like, you have a whole shelf full of books. He's like, when was the last time you touched? I was like, I don't know. So then the, he's like, okay, I'm going to take them three, four days a week to this trampoline park so they can run and, you know, use their energy. You go, you stay home, relax, read a book. So, you know, try like, not to get interrupted. Try not to get interrupted by your real estate. He's like, he was like, so here's my real estate. He's like, don't do any real estate. Don't any, don't do any cleaning. Don't do anything. Yep. He's like, just read a book or do something that's, that's hard in you. the middle of the day. It really you is. Know what my it hack, really is. My hack has been because I wanted to start reading and I would always leave my book at home and stuff. So I started putting books on my phone that I read on my phone. So when I was on the airplane or waiting somewhere at a doctor's office, like I always was able to flip through a book. Right. And then it became like I was I it fed my soul, yeah. like that calmness and always having something, not scrolling on social media yeah. or doing my business in those calm moments. Right. Now I do it in the morning. I find that if I wake up and it's usually my quietest time of my day yeah. and, and I don't pressure myself to read a lot. Some days I read two pages and I'm not into it. Sometimes I read 25, 30 pages right. in the morning. Right. I have literally read like 15 books in right. 2023 because I built it into those little, yeah, moments. little moments. Yeah. And it's it was so helpful for me. Yeah. So yeah, I, maybe that'll help you delve into yeah. some books. Well, and, that's what I've been um, doing, too. I'm like, OK, I'm like the quietest time for me is when I wake up before the kids. We always have this. Yeah, exactly. We always have always this. That. And my husband's like, and you can always have a book yeah. in here. And my husband's like, why don't you go get a Kindle? I think that would be easier and stuff. I'm like, no, one more like, thing to carry I was around. Like, no, I was like, I have the phone. It's fine. I was like, it's it's totally fine. You know, and then he's like, well, why don't you just get rid of all the books and put everything on on your phone? I was like, I'm really thinking about it because we have the Kindle app on our phone anyway. So, you know, I was yeah, like, or somebody recommends idea. a book. It became a habit. If somebody recommends a book or I see somebody saying something was great, I go in and I save it on my wish list. Yeah. So when, once I'm done with a book, I can go like scroll through my wish list right. and see because people make book recommendations all the time. All the time. All so the time. Yeah. There's there's a fun little tip for 2024 for everybody's vision map yeah. or dream board or yeah. business goals or personal goals. Yeah. You can start adding reading, reading into it. Reading and then taking action, right? Because a lot of people will read, they'll learn, but they won't take action. So the most important thing is to take action. So, you know, the work-life balance, you have to balance that out because what I learned just growing up and things like that, I mean, I still have a great relationship with my parents, but I wish they were there more at the time, but it, it was not their fault because they didn't have an education here. I remember um, being, I think, eight or nine years old. And I remember my mom saying, okay, it's your job to make sure that the other siblings are sleeping. Your dad and I are going to do paper route. And I'm like, there's no cell phones. There were no phones at that time, right? 
And I and I never the thought yellow pageant. Right. There was like yellow pages. Right. <laughs> and I never thought like, what if something bad happens? Then like, what? How are they going to call me and stuff? You know, like they're paper outing two, three o'clock in the morning. And at that you just time, handled it. Yeah, that time we were eight, six, and four. You know, so I had to like grow up really fast. So I think responsibilities were given to me really fast. I was washing dishes at eight years old. You know what I mean? Not that they forced me to, but I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom and dad work like two two jobs each and I'm just going to make their life easier. I'm going to wash dishes, you know? And then that just became a habit. I was washing dishes at eight, you know? Like I and I tell my kids, right? One of my kids is nine right now. And I'm like, Girl, you're I capable. used to wash dishes when I was eight years old. Y'all need to start washing dishes. Girl, my kids do dishes. I said, if I work and I do all of this and I'm going to sit and help you with your homework yeah. and you want me to French braid your hair tonight, then guess what? I'm going to sit after I eat dinner, after I cook dinner with you, yeah. and you're going to do the dishes. Right. So one of them always sets the table because we sit down yeah. at the table and eat dinner together. Yep. And one of them always does the dishes. Right, right. Unless they have too much homework, they'll start it yeah. and then I'll finish it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But And that gives me time with my husband. It gives me time right. with my other daughter right. to sit and talk about our day even more than we did at the dinner table. Right. But very, very important. Right. And then like, you know, with this like day of technology, you know, talking about like work life balance, my husband and I, we play video games with our kids, you know, like Roblox. We play Roblox with our kids. I'm not letting you be on Roblox by yourself. This crazy people out there, you know. Um, so, you know, it's we play awesome. Roblox. I do not. And they love that game. Oh, my God. So maybe... There's like thousands of games on Roblox. Right. And so it's funny because I use my same handle that I have in real estate as my username. And so my son, who's 12. He was telling his friends, oh, yeah, by the way, that's my mom. Like, that's your mom? I wouldn't have, like, never guessed. And then they were being, like, super polite. I'm like, you guys don't have to be super polite. It's okay. I was like, just don't just curse and stuff. Or, like, don't don't be weird in the chat, right? And stuff like that. And then, like, they were saying something, and I was like, LOL. They were like, I've never heard a mom say, right, LOL on chat, right? Or whatever. They were like, I wish my mom played games with me on Roblox. My, my parents never play with us. So, you know, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember what? that, that their mom and dad played games with them, you yep. know, and things like that. So that's that's the whole work life balance, because if you pay attention to them now, you know, at this age, you know, like newborn to lifetime. <laughs> right. Um, but really, it's critical, I would say, you know, they're learning from us. Yeah. And they're learning alongside us, right. not behind us. Right. They're learning alongside us. And that's what Work Hard, Smile, Large is all about. Right. And that's and that's the whole thing, because if you don't talk to them now, they're not going to talk to you later. And so, like, my kids are very comfortable telling my husband and I what it is. Like, you know, my son's like, this happened online in chat or this happened or, or he'll Same. like call me and say, you know, hey, this is like weird stuff going on in the chat. And I'm like, report it you know and stuff and i'm like they know how to screenshot they know how to do whatever and then they yep. get banned from like games like the, the you know the people who are abusing the game so you know the but i think communication is communication is huge and those yeah. are the relationship that you have with your children right. when you do take that time yeah you know we lead by example they see our hard work yeah. but taking that time to hear their little voices and hear about their days and include them yeah. in the roles and responsibilities is so important yeah and and that's the whole thing so you know again that work-life balance is so important and find out what they're interested in, you know, like don't push anything on them. You know what I mean? Like, especially in our culture, it's like you have to be a doctor, you have to be an engineer, you have to be some someone like known, like important, you know. And like, so again, broke the chain, went to school for graphic design and video editing. You and have all to change this, the world. You know, you have to change, the, change world. the world. Right. <laughs> so that's that's the thing. So, you know, so like so my mom really listened to 
like my interest in what I wanted to do. She got me a camera at, I don't know, 10 years old. She got me a computer at 15, you know? And this was like working extra shifts to buy these things for us, you know? I know. I was going to say your mom sounds really like resourceful. Like she just always was able to get you what you needed to grow. Yeah. And, right? and that but was the just whole amazing. thing. That's and, what moms are. And she's a learner herself. Like she always wants to learn and she's always like learning and things like that. And then she, no education, right? Here became an electronic technician, you know, <laughs> like assembling units and things like that, getting like one of the best pays in her company. Um, and then, you know, she got offered a better position and better position and stuff. And I'm just like, wow, this is like no education here. And I'm like, I told my mom, like, what did you complete in Afghanistan? She's like, I don't even know. She's like, I just put high school diploma. I was like, did you get that high school long, diploma? Like, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, she's like, no, she's like, I don't even know when I was pulled from school, you know? So I think that's where her passion of learning comes from. So, hey, the sky's the limit for anybody. And I think that's what our listeners are going to take away today. I mean, you have changed your languages, you know what I mean? Yeah. You've grown, you've immersed yourselves in cultures, you've learned multiple industries, you've started a nonprofit organization, you're homeschooling your children, Rizwana, and you've got a best friend as your partner in life. Right. So, you know, what a shining example. And we can't wait to see what you do this year with My Sister's Haven. Our guests can follow you, My Sister's Haven, on Instagram and YouTube and LinkedIn. And I know all the channels will have them here for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but they can also follow your um, channels, too. Um, Rizwana is a realtor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and she's with EXP and she's part of our leadership at EXP. And she's always mentoring um, our professional realtors within our organization as well. So sky's the limit. I can't wait to keep in touch with you throughout this year and be a part of your events and share them as much as we can with our Work Hard, Smile Large community. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your family and your passion. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here and just share my story and, you know, just how we got into the nonprofit for domestic violence okay. and things. And I know, you know, anyone who's listening right now, if you know anyone going through the situation, it doesn't have to be in Pennsylvania. It could be anywhere. You know, find the resources, find help for them, you know, you, like. Or go to mysistershaven.com. And call their hotline and they will help you find yeah, the we'll resource. Yeah, we'll help you find something in your area. But, you know, make sure you get that help because you don't want it to be a situation where it's too late. There's just too many who are killed in these situations um, because they probably thought they had no one to turn to. So, you know, if you Google, like, you know, what to look for for signs, there's so many articles out there. So I highly recommend that, you know, you just keep your eyes open. That's all. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As always on the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast, work hard, smile large. All right. Thank you so much, Rizwana. You're welcome. And that wraps up another incredible episode of the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast. I hope you enjoyed our journey today as much as I did. A big thank you to our amazing guests for sharing her story and insights. If you found inspiration in today's episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with friends, family, or anyone who could use a boost. Remember, your journey is unique and every step counts. Keep working hard and never forget to smile large. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. You never want to miss an episode. We have a lot more incredible stories and conversations lined up for this season. Until next time, keep pushing forward, keep dreaming big, and as always, work hard, smile large.